This is the Deep V Podcast. Deep shit I could never say on the radio. I'm Casey Joe. I'm creating this space for the ones who live from their full heart. The ones that live life with panache and zest, but also struggle with that daily existential crisis. Let's talk about it. Here we explore breaking up with comfort zones and deep-throating vulnerability. The Deep V. Episode 6. It's not you. It's you. Hey, it's Casey Joe. Sorry I haven't been around, everybody. I've been writing this screenplay. It's called, Why Isn't My Puppy Ever Tired? Well, shit. If you're listening to this, I'm sending you love. Full time. All of the love. Like Kanye loves Kanye love. Because... You're obviously an emotional, sensitive, deep, open-hearted beauty, if you're listening to this. So, it's been a while. I've been putting off doing this episode. I've been active online and in video chats and supporting others. Some of this may be repetitive to you. I have so much to say that I thought, I have nothing to say. Last episode, I was talking all things mental health, showing my deep V, and then I had a crash. I couldn't keep up this podcast because I was in the pit, not a ball pit. That shit's fun. But I was in a pit of despair. All my shit came crashing. I've been here before, but this time it was like my ego was crushed. My sense of self dissolving. Looking back now, I'm like, cool, crazy, I survived. But when I was in it, it was like I was obsessed with wanting to die. Not that I actually wanted to die, but a huge part of me, my ego, my identity has felt dead. So in a sense, I felt the me that is and was parts of Casey Joe Los was dead. My V got too deep. Can I say that? That's, that sounds awful. But I'm doing much better now. Well, wait, am I? I mean, post-concussion sucks. I've had mega migraines. I went to Vancouver to get support and I got a new therapist who's like basically Robin Williams from Goodwill Hunting. And then, you know what happened. Everything came to a halt. Adapt and pivot was the advice that my therapist gave me before this. And you know what? We're adapting and pivoting as best we can. Six feet away from each other. We hate change. I talked about this in another episode, that we fear change, but it's the only constant. We don't want change. We don't want it so badly that we're already looking forward to things going back to normal here. What is normal? We hate being uncomfortable so much. We will buy it away. We will fuck it away. We will work it away. We will travel it away. What do you do now? Embrace discomfort. Face it. 
and get a fucking bidet for God's sake. If you're not spraying your tight little asshole this time, whew, I got one six months ago, but I finally installed it. I'm basically a plumber now. So here we are, right in the thick, in the heat, in the all-too-real pandemic. Coronavirus, COVID-19. Do you know anyone affected with the virus, personally? I mean, everyone's affected. It wasn't too long before I knew my first person that got it. Unprecedented times, they all say. At the time of this recording, coronavirus cases have surpassed 750,000 people worldwide. At the time, around 34,000 deaths and around 151,000 people have recovered. I can't even imagine the frontline workers so selfless, the chaos, the bravery, the fear, the grief. The exhaustion. Please, place your hand on your heart with me right now for everyone grieving loss of a loved one and for everyone who is working, fighting to help us beat this. Immeasurable gratitude. And that's what I've been focusing on, whatever small things I can. Gratitude helps me. Gratitude is great. Gratitude is acknowledging what you notice. You can be grateful, but gratitude is not ignoring that at the forefront of this virus is a lot of racism, a lot of discrimination, a lot of capitalism. Profiteers? I didn't think that that was going to be a thing, but here we are. Yikes. All of the Lysol and hand sanitizer and toilet paper you could need. Greediness, a lot of hoarding. The hoarders of the world before this happened, they're like, oh, who's a hoarder now? Here's a tweet that I like from Jason Reed UK. If you're upset about regular folk hoarding toilet paper, wait till you hear about how a tiny percentage of rich people have hoarded most of the world's wealth. Here's another good tweet from Durak. Hey, you know that guy hoarding hand sanitizer? Imagine if he was hoarding money that people desperately needed for literally everything. And then someone showed up and distributed that money to everyone. Wild. (laughs) Anyways, Jeff Bezos has $110 billion. (sighs) Amazon. The company that has single-handedly helped ruin this planet and is also owned and run by the world's richest dude asked the people to contribute to a fund for their employees. Think about that when you're at home buying shit you don't need off Amazon. I got another favorite tweet from Jesse Case. Some of you have never gone through a global pandemic during an economic crash with a reality show host president who ignores repeated scientific warnings and can't lead before. And it shows. I'm not scared of the virus. I'm scared of a majority of the people on this planet. Kindness, compassion, it means everything, but especially now. And I get it. I, I know. There, there's lots to think about. There are worldly terrors every single day. How many of us have forgotten or neglect to acknowledge a huge ongoing issue before coronavirus? Indigenous people's rights, 
lack of clean drinking water, reconciliation being a joke, oh, and not giving back stolen land? Remember right before this outbreak that people were all tie them to the train tracks and now they flip the switch to we're all in this together? Huh? And that's just one worldly terror. This is a global one, a true pandemic. Maybe we haven't seen anything like this in our lifetime. It's home. It's not close to home. It's home. And that's where the privileged ones are. You, perhaps. Me. At home. Social isolation. Something we've probably never said before. It sounds much more terrifying than it is. It's a choice to be safe and a privilege to be safe. People are going to work every day right now, risking their lives and their families' lives. Stay home. The 2020 oxymoron of the most self-absorbed. You can't stay home, bro. What do we do when we can't even stay home with ourselves? It's not you. It's you. It's definitely you. You can't stay home with yourself in a pandemic. You're so distracted and needing to do and go. You cannot just sit and slow and be and listen and realize the privilege in that, in this time. You can't ever know yourself if you can never be alone with yourself. Stay home, Karen. Just because there are deemed essential services doesn't mean that it's essential for you to go out to be served. I also want to add, I've been thinking about those told to stay home where home isn't safe, but actually a harmful, abusive, or chaotic place. I'm thinking of those without a stable home in general. I'm thinking about those with no home whatsoever. And then when we're at home, we're distracted. We can't be with ourselves. Everybody's live on the internet, the content everywhere online. People saying things like, please bear with me. I've never done this before. Okay, we're pivoting. We're adapting. So much stuff online, virtual tours of museums, NASA showing the Space Center off, classes you can do. I did a dance class in my home, and I was sweating and swearing and crying in gratitude at the sheer beauty of it. Me? Squatting and twerking to Beyonce with thousands of others in this weird time? Beautiful. Free seminars everywhere? It's great, but it kind of seems like it can undermine and undervalue others. And all of it can be lovely, but also overwhelming. I swing between loving, feeling connected online, at home, and then also hating that. Is this the future? I like online, sure, but I like real life. I like hugs, community, Shutting phones off, being present, people watching, writing about experiences or observations, talking, not emailing. I need human connection, touch, being seen, watching an expression on your face, hearing your voice in real life. And in the midst of all this, I realized 
our love is all we have. Strip away of everything and what's left? Love. Don't roll your eyes. Close them and place a hand on your heart, maybe one on your belly. Sitting with discomfort and dis-ease. I'm sure you've been noticing it these days more than ever. Maybe it's really loud. Maybe it's quiet today. We're all going to die, but we all aren't going to fully and truly live. So how will you live your life? Forced stillness, which is what we need. But we have to be brave enough to go beyond the fear keeping our hearts open, trusting in life, not only when we don't understand it, but especially, especially in uncertainty and fear. So what do you think is going to happen after this is all over? Will there be more divorces or more pregnancies? And social media, is social media better or actually part of the problem right now? I don't think we need more content or doing. We need to get content with our own being. Man, I've never felt more pressure to create and do. We're so consumed with success and achieving likes and follows and shares and views, regurgitating all this bullshit. You know what? I'm fine to be mediocre. I always said I'm 100 years before my time anyway. Nobody gets me right now. Check it out. 100 years after I'm dead, somebody might go, Oh, that's what Casey Joe meant. It's kind of funny. Everything is so quiet and heavy and thick with silence in my real life. And then I go to the online world and everything is so noisy. Where do I go? My friend Elisa on social media, she texted me the other day and said, you know, I've always understood how people could have toxic relationships with social media. I've just never been the one to experience them. I've never cared about likes or numbers or followers or being on trend or algorithms. But I feel like now more than ever, oddly enough, while being isolated, which is when you'd think social media would help the most. Social media feels more toxic than it ever has for me, and I don't know how to reason with that. I'm tired of the arguments, the fake news, the politics, the whining, the seemingly insensitive advertisements, the live streams, the canceled events, the struggle to stay relevant, the photos dug out of someone's archive of places where we can't go anymore, but they just need a photo so that they can post about how bored they are in quarantine. Social media has never felt more artificial to me, she said, and somehow I'm feeling alienated because everyone else is perceiving it as, oh, look how everyone's coming together. Isn't it nice? Thanks, Elisa. (laughs) I mean, we're not meant to live solely digital lives. It has been great to connect there, though. I've done some Instagram lives. I've called it Just Checking In. Just Checking In, my new show. I started the deep L, deep listening. 
helping people that way has been amazing. And I kind of like the immediacy of Instagram Live and your comments and your feedback and checking in and being checked in on myself because I need it too. I was struggling so much before. But are you aware of your habits? My phone usage went up 27% this last week. Thanks, screen time, for the info. How sobering is that? Because, like, I want to connect, but that made me sick to see. (laughs) It's okay to just be. You're not lazy. You're resting. You don't have to be creating or writing your ebook or live streaming a sermon all the time. Just be. Maybe eat some food, get dressed, maybe stay in your pajamas. Exhale deeper. Shut down the internet. The true irony right now is that everybody wants to go viral while the rest of the world struggles with going viral. And in seeing everybody's online life, I've noticed a lot of comments online of apartment jealousy. Because we're all seeing the inside of people's homes. People are staying home. And then I'm seeing people be jealous. Like, look at Randy's place. My apartment sucks. We're in a goddamn global pandemic. And you're feeling not good enough about your apartment? Do you want to take a look at that? Or maybe look at this. Think of things you won't ever take for granted again. I'll start. Hugs. Four hugs a day, says the great children's performer Charlotte Diamond. That's the minimum, not the maximum, motherfucker. I don't even know the last person I hugged. Holding hands. Hanging out with anyone, really. Not six feet away. Tongue kissing. Okay, I digress. I miss touching things handled by the general public and not thinking I'm going to get it. You know, like doorknobs or keypads, elevator buttons, gas pumps. Shout out to everyone who experiences chest pain like me and is like, oh my God, I have it. No, 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 I have it for sure. And then you're like, oh, wait, no. That's probably my anxiety, that sneaky turd. I missed the ability to buy toilet paper. I haven't bought any this whole time. But I did install my tushy bidet. Despite people who told me it's easy to install, and it turns out their hubby installed it for them. I got to celebrate, though, by eating ice cream and spraying my cranky little asshole all night. I'm a fucking queen. Also, if I ever say the word hubby, please kill me. Things I'll never take for granted again. Traveling, although I never took it for granted. Sitting with others for morning coffee. Sitting with others for meals. Seeing a movie. Damn, I haven't done that much. Live music. Oh my God. How is the entertainment industry of live music affected here? What are the people who devote their lives to televised sports doing? Like, what are they even talking about right now? It's got to be rough. Things I'll never take for granted again. A paycheck? Lols. It's been forever. I'll never take for granted going to the grocery store and not waiting to get in like a club lineup. And not having everyone in there act out of fear and scarcity and looking afraid. 
Speaking of, if you're the kind of motherfucker that ever took grocery store employees for granted, tell them they're your hero next time. I've been to the grocery store three times, and every time I've thanked every employee for going to work. And it goes a long way. And try to actually mean it, Karen. One of my favorite tweets lately is from the captain. Let's just all agree, if you don't come out of this as a better person, you can stay home until you're ready to rejoin society as less of an asshole. (laughs) I know a lot of parents won't be taking teachers for granted again. Shout out to everyone at home with their families going, Oh, my partner or my kids are driving me crazy. They're annoying the hell out of me. Can you imagine being alone right now? I'll tell you what it's like. It's horrible. (laughs) I'm beginning to forget what it's like to hug a human. But I'm not really alone. I've got my dog, Raven. Yeah. And I've got my house plants. Where are they? Guys? Guys? You, You need a drink right now? And I'm not bored. I haven't been bored this entire time. Only boring people get bored. If you're bored, being bored is a privilege, okay? If you're bored, leave me a review. How about a book review? How about a podcast review? Or why don't you tell me what I can review for you? Bored. Imagine being alone, elderly, underprivileged, and sick. Those are the people who my heart aches for. Some other things to consider right now. For once, everywhere, the streets are relatively silent. For once, everywhere, hugs and handshakes can kill you. And a kiss? Open mouth? You rebel, that's true love. For once, everywhere, coughing in someone's face is considered a weapon. I was reading that the Canadian unemployment rates could soar to 15%. That's so weird because suddenly I'm not alone. And our country of Canada could be looking at a $115 billion deficit. Canada's health minister expects 30 to 70% of Canadians to be infected with COVID-19 and 20% of those cases with hospitalization. Think of everyone you know, if not you, Then who? Misinformation spreading faster than the damn virus. People using bleach on their groceries. And then, and then you use bleach on your groceries. And then you sleep cuddled up to your phone. (laughs) Did you know COVID-19 can survive on plastic surfaces like a phone for up to three days? And your phone is 18 times dirtier than a public restroom toilet seat. Please, if that doesn't gross you out... Take a moment right now and go clean your phone. So I've been in isolation for six months. If you've listened to the other episodes, you've probably at some point thought how ironic this must be for me. Oh, and shout out to literally everyone right now who told me change is good when I've gone through job loss, home loss, loss of self, loss of support, financial uncertainty, and total isolation. And shout out to the guy on Twitter that told me, just get over it. What's he up to? Is he he good right now? 
people all over the world are experiencing job loss, financial instability and uncertainty, panic, sadness, anxiety, depression, possibly unable to pay your rent, maybe losing your home, losing your sense of self and identity. Oh, how I can relate, how I feel for you. And I was in it before we're now all in it to some extent. I was in that caterpillar soup, man, where you're not quite a butterfly, but you're stuck in the cocoon. You're wanting to get out so badly. And now we're just in this collective cocoon together. Solitary refinement. So instead of just being a goddamn whiny bitch, I put together a guide for you in your solitary refinement. Five things that have not worked for me and five things that have. Isolation. You know, in the six months that I've been here deep in the woods, living a remote recluse life, I've been thinking deep isolation is what we do to prisoners. It's punishment. We need connection. We need community. And it's fine to isolate. And sometimes it's necessary. And for me, I feel it has been necessary. And of course, for the world right now, depending where you live and where you're listening, it is necessary. I've been rereading a book called Solitude by Michael Harris. And at the start of it, he talks about a woman named Dr. Edith Bone. She was a 19th century Hungarian military doctor whose sympathies aligned with communism. And one day on the way to the airport, police detained her. They claimed she was a spy and they put her into solitary confinement in prison for seven years. And you know what? She was so strong of mind, she never once broke to her captors. It got me thinking about other isolated situations, like Commander Chris Hatfield in space. He spent 166 days in space. You want to talk isolation? Loneliness, no doubt? But he said space wasn't either. He says isolation and loneliness are strictly psychological, not physical. You probably felt lonely before this pandemic. You were just distracted from it. And for me, my traumas have made it so that this kind of feels normal to me. Maybe you're like me. If you've experienced a life with constant uncertainty where your safety and home is almost always uncertain, maybe you've been navigating chaos your entire existence existing in danger and fear, so that these kind of coping mechanisms become normal. This time, it's, it's going to be extra. But we will get through this. The recession of 2009, I survived it. I lost my job then. I lost my apartment. It was very similar now to what I'm experiencing, except obviously it wasn't, and I was a lot different then. And it also wasn't a worldwide pandemic where people were dying. But what you can do now is take care of yourself as best as you can. Put on your own oxygen mask. When we take care of ourselves, we take care of everyone to an extent. I like that idea. So for me, I decided to sign up for a course through Yale called The Science of Well-Being. I could afford the price. It was free. It only costs my time, and turns out I've got time. 
And so far in the course, I've learned that we prescribe antidepressants at 400 times the rate than 20 years ago. 400 times the rate, and we're not getting happier. We're not getting happier, and now we're forced to stay home, and we're going to realize pretty quick that we have to confront ourselves. To everyone who has messaged me, what a bad dream this all is. What do we do in a bad dream? We wake up. This is the time we see how people really are. We see who we truly are. We see what we've done. We see some systems fail. We see some beliefs shatter. We see love prevail. We see community expand. Will you go without for another? Do you remain a light and help others? Does this time of collective suffering snuff you out, even though we were all suffering collectively before, no doubt? We just have less distractions and coping mechanisms now than ever. Our minds are very noisy. Some of them are very clever. Can you sit in loving presence? Can you hold on and hold space? Can you be okay with not knowing if you're going to make it another day? Now is the time to notice this collective nightmare we created in our cup. And if you find this most unpleasant, the easiest thing is to just wake up. So we're embracing this time. We're staying home. We're saving lives. We're almost heroes. Okay, not quite. Back in the day when our ancestors were called to serve in war, can you imagine that? They didn't have memes. We have memes. (laughs) Where would we be without memes? We are allowed to be multifaceted human beings that are loving, that are broken, that know what the fuck they're doing, that have no idea what the fuck they're doing. So I came up with a list of five things that don't help when you're in isolation and five things that you can do to help yourself. Number one. Giving up. Giving up doesn't help. Don't let it even be an option. This time is going to be harder for everyone who previously struggled with their health. Physical health issues are huge right now. Yes, compromised immune systems. Yes, elderly. Yes, pre-existing conditions. Yes, but there's another pandemic happening simultaneously called suicide. What can you do to help yourself if you feel like giving up. The late, great Carrie Fisher said, take your broken heart and turn it into art. And that's been one of my personal mantras for me. I haven't made art here in my time, but maybe my existence can be an expression of it. I've devoted everything I can to healing myself and that's painful and it hurts and it requires us to go deep to the places that scare us but now is the time for healing so before you give up totally exhaust your options in healing yourself 
You can't expect the world to heal if you don't heal yourself. And your relationships too. Heal those as best you can. And the most important relationship to heal is the one with ourselves. My hope is there will be a shift in consciousness. And this will be truly sad if we come out of this. And we will. But if we come out of this without having profoundly changed. The second thing that doesn't help in isolation, don't believe anything your mind says. 99.99999% of the stuff up there are lies and they're repeating thoughts from the day before. We think something between 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day and a lot of them, if not most, are limiting beliefs that we're subscribed to. That's about, on average, 2,500 thoughts per hour. Just thinking about that is exhausting. If you're believing the painful things your mind says, let's get aware. Create awareness of your limiting beliefs. Figure them out. Write them down. Listen. And then turn them into positive affirmations. These loops can be deadly. And you have to break up these loops. Once you've identified them and turned them into positive affirmations, you can use them to reprogram or retrain your brain. What also helps is move your body, exercise, dance in your living room, yoga, simple stretching, get in nature. Nature is one of our greatest teachers. If there's anything we need to learn, nature will show us. Even right now in the changing of the seasons, the darkness and light, cycles of birth, growth, and death. And then start to realize that just because you can't go out right now, doesn't mean you can't go in. Journal. Light a candle and journal. Become a fucking investigatory journalist on yourself, on your own emotions. Something I practice writing is um, I write the date at the top of a page and then I write just what the fuck is my problem? And then I answer from my own innate wisdom. I might write down four things that I'm upset about or four fears or worries And then I take a breath and write from my own advice. What would you say to a friend or a little kid or a child coming to you? Because you are that little kid. The third thing that doesn't help in isolation, letting your emotions control you. Oh, just be happy. I want to be happy. I wish I was happy. Life isn't always happy, okay? Happiness is just one emotion and a lot of us are not happy right now. So now what? I've done this for most of my life and I have to practice not to let my emotions control me. I'm a big fan of that emotional dump, you know, creating time and space to feel your emotions, release them. Perhaps work with a healer, a therapist, a counselor, or a coach. I get that financial barriers are real, so... There's some free resources online right now that you can access. The Canadian Mental Health Association has an online cognitive behavioral program called Bounce Back that helps you retrain your brain. It's absolutely free. I'm currently exploring DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. There's also something called ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, which like DBT is kind of based around radical acceptance. Can we accept what's happening right now? 
So what do you do with the emotions? Because it's important to feel to heal, but you don't want to follow them down a rabbit hole. So how do you feel deeply? Be empathetic and compassionate and not get controlled. You got to be aware of what you consume. Social media, people you follow. Be aware of how all of this affects your emotions. Just develop some general emotional awareness. And then feel to release. Throw adult temper tantrums. Cry. Give yourself time. Give yourself 10 minutes to be pissed off. Punch some pillows. Go throw rocks in the ocean. The big one that helps me, I think I'll call this one the queen of emotional regulation is meditation. Becoming the witness to your emotional states. These are a few things I swear by. The fourth thing that doesn't help in isolation, do not compare. Comparison is the thief of joy. It's a practice, okay? All of this is. It's not easy, I know. We're all doing our best to relax into the unknown, which, spoiler alert, it's all unknown. The systems we've created that have helped us believe that we have control are letting us down, man. The only thing we can control is how we respond or react. And you really want to respond from a place of time, distance, and reflection. And not react quickly right now. Watching those judgments and comparisons. And realizing you have no idea what is true for others. The grass isn't always green. It's green where you water it. And yes, I said that before, Drake. The grass isn't always greener. It's fake. And in comparison, you have everything you need. I promise that. You are everything you need. The fifth and final thing that doesn't help in isolation, do not think your suffering is unique to you and you alone. The ego loves to trick us here. Why? It keeps you small. It keeps you in a place of pain. We become addicted to our pain, our problems, and our stories. Our problems are not more important than other people's problems. Your problems are true, though. They're true to you, so they are real and they are valid. But don't fall in love with your problems. Fall in love with potential of what now. If we need evidence to prove how we're suffering, we can find it. But don't do that. We're all in this together, motherfucker. So what do you do if you're thinking your suffering is special? Get seen. Because that isolation, again, can cause you to really forget, at least it did for me, who I am sometimes. We're not meant to be in solitude forever. But we can learn so much from this time. So get seen a little. Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, send smoke signals, reach out to friends, and check in with your friends that maybe are experiencing racism and discrimination right now. Your black, indigenous, persons of color, LGBTQ2 plus friends, all your single friends who are alone, check out to them extra. Check in with your friends that are in relationships. Quarantined in a relationship, it's challenging. And maybe start to ask yourself, how can you support your community? How can you serve? Who can you support? Maybe it's folding paper cranes and writing love notes on them like I do. Maybe it's sending mail to elderly in care homes. 
Maybe it's holding space for somebody. I don't know. We're so used to being constantly distracted and busy that our coping mechanisms aren't there right now in the same way. So ask yourself, do you want to consume or create? Just be here in this time as best as you can. I know you're doing your best right now. And it's okay if you're not writing an ebook, me neither. <laughs> Use this time to cry. Feel lonely if you do. This is our greatest teacher, this moment right now. You can feel lonely and know that you're never alone. It's a page and a thought out of my book, I See You, I Am You. It's um, very late right now on the Sunshine Coast, and I went outside to let my dog out, and I'm looking up at the dark night sky. The trees are creaking softly, and there's just speckled stars everywhere. Some of them I've never seen before, and it reminded me of, of something I wrote years ago. You can look up at the sky and feel alone, or you can look up and remember you're never alone. So try to see the humanness in everyone right now. There is something bigger than us all. Zoom out, pivot and adapt, confront those fears, keep your heart open, dance in your home, heal your relationships. Remember the relationship with oneself is the one we need to heal the most. This is a collective time of transition. We are shapeshifters, just doing our best, practicing patience and resiliency for our great return. The time that we all stayed inside and the world slowed down, everything was changing, fertile soil on the ground. Systems and certainties did crash, the world exhaled in collective pain. Sunshine brought sweet respite, fresh air came with the rain. The media a train wreck, we couldn't look away. Every person hooked on TikTok wanting five minutes of viral fame. Depending on how you looked at these invaluable teachings here, great community, joy, connection, great pain, suffering, or fear. We isolated to congregate online, took classes around the world. We figured out Zoom and FaceTime despite our hearts on tilt-a-whirls. We danced in homes for fitness class while well, many confronted illness and death. The world bloomed and changing all around, while some of those we love took their very last breath. It was a privilege to stay home for folks, a reset and remind of sorts. Taking a break from society's norm, tallying our internal creative exports to soften, get silent, slow, slow, slow. And yes, calm our inner storms. Frontline workers face the chaos, stocking shelves with toilet paper and masks. Doctors, nurses, paramedics going home, collapsing last. Families understood homeschooling kids. Neglected pets loved constantly through this. It wasn't easy for everyone. Did you think of those with no home? Abusive, chaotic, controlling, dangerous places, crisis lines flooded by phone. But an awareness was created. 
that it's not only about you. It's about what energy we bring to this world, how you love and with and for whom. And when this is all over, we won't go back to the way things were. For we know the only constant is change, and the place we arrive at is forward. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Until we meet again, this is not goodbye, but it is goodnight. The Deep V is recorded on the Sunshine Coast in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Music composition and production provided by Andrew Rasmussen in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hire him for your next creative project, or if you need an incredible touring musician or composer after the virus is over, he's a pro. You can find me online at CaseyJoeLose.com. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CaseyJoeLose. It's like loose with no E. And you can buy my debut poetry book, I See You, I Am You, at ICUIAMU.com. If you have any suggestions or confessions, send me a note at thedeepvpodcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, if anything resonated with you here today, please share it with someone you love or talk about it in real life. Thanks for listening.